0: The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. If you work in a team, they hand out duties. There's the first aid duty... There's the work health and safety duty. And then there's the fire warden duty. This is a duty nobody wants because you have to wear a silly hat. You don't know what to do in a fire and nobody's going to listen to you anyway. But that's what it's like to be in charge, to be a leader. And sooner or later, whether we like it or not, we all find ourselves in positions of leadership. And it can be anywhere. It could be on the playground it could be in the family, and it could be at work. Sooner or later, whether we like it or not, we find ourselves to be a leader. And so our question today is this, what would Jesus say to the leader? So welcome again to our February talks, where each week we ask this question, what would Jesus say? And each week, Jesus meets a different set of people in the Bible. And each week we ask the question, what would Jesus say to this person? And what would Jesus say to me today? And this comes in the form of a 20-minute talk from me now, followed by some question and answer from you guys. So as I'm talking, think of any question that you want to ask, and we'll do our best to answer those questions. Well, today's week three in February, and our question today is this. What would Jesus say to the leader? Because in that Bible story that we just heard, two people, James and John, brothers nicknamed sons of zebedee sons of thunder come up to jesus and ask to become leaders james and john came to jesus teacher they said we want you to do for us whatever we ask jesus asked well what do you want me to do for you they replied let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with a baptism I am baptized with? Two brothers, James and John, elsewhere in the Bible we're here, they're nicknamed the sons of thunder. Because if they're around today, this is what they would have looked like. Hot-headed, hard-headed alpha males. And they asked Jesus to appoint them as leaders. And Jesus is horrified that they would ask and Jesus says no and this is the part of the story I don't get because Hollywood tells me that these are the guys that I should have as my leaders and these are the guys I would want to be my leaders look at them strong rugged handsome but Jesus says no this is not what leadership is about so this is the part of the story I don't get and to understand this we need to hear the three things Jesus tells them, and the three things that Jesus is telling us today. The first thing is this. Leadership promises position, power, and prestige. Yes, leadership promises position, power, and prestige. Jesus called his followers together, and he said this to them. You know that those who are rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. If we're a leader, we have a position of power, prestige, and honor. Now, I hate flies. So I often say if I was Prime Minister of Australia, I would make it compulsory for every Australian to kill one fly every day. Because think about it. If we did this, we would kill 20 million flies a day. And we all catch ourselves saying this. If I was Prime Minister, I would. If I was Prime Minister, I would. I would get the trains running on time. I would make every Monday a compulsory holiday. I would get the Australian Wallabies finally winning again. We say this because we have this idea that if we're leaders, we have power. We have the power to get done anything that we want. In sports, When our heroes win, they enjoy the praise and worship of the people. And we have this idea that if I was a leader, I too will enjoy the praise and worship of the people. And I will have the power to get done whatever I want done. But that's not how leadership works. John Maxwell in his book on five levels of leadership, he goes through the five levels starting from the bottom one which is the least effective way of leading and that is leadership based on position. Then more effective is leadership based on permission. Then there's leadership based on what we produce. Then there's leadership based on how we develop people and finally the pinnacle of leadership. While right down the bottom, the least effective way of leading is leadership based on our position. And this is where people follow us, not because they want to, but because they have to. And yes, there's a time and place for this style of leadership, usually in times of crisis or emergencies or war, but it's for a limited time only, and it's the least effective form of leadership. Daniel Goleman Harvard Business Review, in an article called Leadership That Gets Results, published 2000. They did a study where they had 20,000 executives, randomly selected 4,000. They empirically studied their style of leadership. They found out that there are basically six styles of leadership. There's the directive style, do what I tell you. There's the visionary style, come with me. There's the affiliative style, people come first. There's a participative style, well, what do you think? There's the pace setting style, do as I do now. And there's the coaching style, try this. And out of these six styles, the least effective forms of leadership were these two, the directive, do what I tell you, and the pace setting, do as I do now, they created a negative work climate. We brought the worst out of our people. But the other styles were all positive climate um, leadership styles. And they you brought the best out of the people. And so we lead based on position, power, and prestige. Leadership experts agree we will have authority but we're actually not leaders people will listen to us but they won't respect us people will obey us but they're not really inspired by us this is what I call negative energy leadership where we suck the energy from the room and people do the least bit necessary to follow us Whereas their better style is positive energy leadership, where we fill the room with energy and we bring the best out of our people. Well, how do I become one of these positive energy leaders? Well, this brings us to the second thing that Jesus says, and it's this. To lead is to serve. To lead is to serve. Jesus says this, not so with you, if we're one of his followers, instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, and this is Jesus talking about himself in the third person, for even Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The essence of leadership is not position and power, it's service. If we work in an office, sooner or later, we will have the office birthday party ritual. We all know the office birthday party ritual. It's someone's birthday. So we all have to chip in for a cake. We all have to chip in for a card. We all have to write in the card. We don't know what to write because we really don't know the person. So we say, happy birthday. Yay. Yay. And then we surprise them. Hey, it's your birthday. We pull out a cake. We sing them happy birthday. But then we come to the strangest part of the ritual, and it's this. After we sing them happy birthday, we we disappear. We go back to our work, and they're the ones. They're the bozo left with a cake, and they have to cut the cake and serve everyone. This is the bit that makes no sense to me. It's your most important day. You're the most important person in the room, and you're the one left serving the cake but maybe that's how it works if you are the most important person in the room your role is to serve because that is the essence of leadership it's to serve it's because we're the most important person our role is to serve the general who does not advance to seek glory or does not withdraw to avoid punishment but cares for only the people's security and promotes the people's interests that general is the nation's treasure. Sun Tzu. Simon Sinek in his book on leadership says, leaders eat last. The role of the leader is to eat last. The whole point of being a leader, according to Simon Sinek, is this. It's to sacrifice our own personal good for the gain of the team. But Simon Sinek says, we have now inverted. We have Perverted leadership. So that leadership now means we sacrifice the good of the team for our own personal gain. And we have all these negative examples of leadership. Adam Newman, CEO of WeWork, and we all know how WeWork IPO'd last year, only to tank, but not before Adam Newman got out and paid himself a gazillion dollars in a bonus he sacrificed the good of the team for his own personal gain. Lance Armstrong, seven-time winner of the Tour de France, but yes, now we know he sacrificed the moral good of the team for his own personal gain. Steve Jobs, pin-up boy, rock star, CEO of Apple, but yes, now we know in private he was a horrible man to work with, disloyal to his family, horrible to his own friends. And Simon Sinek says that's not what leadership is about. To lead is to be the first over the trench. It's to be the last off the boat, making sure everyone else is safe. Why do we make you leader? It's because you're the one who can keep us safe. You're the one who can serve, who can sacrifice. That is the role of leadership. But now we're asking this question, well, why would I want to do that? Well, this brings us to the third thing that Jesus says, and it's this. To lead is to have a vision. To lead is to have a vision. And Jesus says, For even the Son of Man, again talking about himself in the third person, for even Jesus, do not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. Why? As a ransom for many. Jesus didn't just come to lead. He didn't just come to serve and sacrifice himself. His vision was this. He was going to come to save, the, save us from our own sins. Now let's say I told you I have a friend called Thomas. And Thomas is very sick. Who here feels sorry for Thomas? Thomas. All right, it's a handful. But I I get it. I get it. We're here. We're in the city. We're all private emotions people. We don't do public display of emotion on the inside. Yes, I feel horrible for Thomas. I feel sorry for him. But I'm not going to publicly display that. But for this work, let's be public emotion people. Who here feels sorry for Thomas, who's very sick today? All right. Okay, almost everyone in the room. But what if I was to tell you, my friend Thomas is sick because last night he was up all night, gaming. Who here now feels sorry for Thomas? Whoa, nobody. Only the gamers feel sorry for Thomas. But what if I was to say to you, my friend Thomas is sick because he was up all night helping his wife give birth to their first child. Who here now feels sorry for Thomas? Whoa, well, what's the difference? Thomas sacrificed a night's sleep, yes, but here, he was self-serving, self-absorbed. There's no point. There's no vision. But here, he was serving a vision, a cause, a story bigger than his own story. And that's the whole point of leadership. It's not just a lead. It's not just a serve. But there has to be a vision, a story worth the sacrifice. This is Jim Collins in his famous book on leadership, Good Too Great. And Jim Collins talks about the five levels of leadership. And level one, wow, well, we're the highly capable individual. Level two, well now we're a contributing team member. Level three, we're the competent manager. Level four, now we're the effective leader. But level five, we are now the level five executive. Well what is a secret source? that the level five executive has, that none of the other four levels have, it's this. The level five executive has a paradoxical blend of both humility, so serving and sacrifice, and strength. It's not just enough to serve and sacrifice, there also has to be strength of vision, a vision worth the sacrifice. Back to Daniel Goldman's. Harvard Business Review article, Leadership That Gets Results. Out of the six styles of leadership, the most effective style is the visionary style. There is a vision worth the sacrifice. Come with me. Simon Sinek in his other book on leadership, Leaders Start With Why. As a leader, it's not just enough to say what we're doing. We have to give a why. Why are we doing what we're doing? There has to be a vision worth the sacrifice. Back to Jesus. Jesus says, for even Jesus, for even Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. Okay, that's the sacrifice part, but there's also a vision. And the vision is this, to give his life as a ransom for many, to save us from our sins. But now we have a problem, don't we? If this is what Jesus is saying, we have a problem. We've only got two choices. We've only got two choices. Choice number one is this. Jesus is a leader and he came to save me from my sins. He died on a cross, but he shouldn't have. He didn't need to because I'm okay. There's nothing wrong with my life. I'm not broken. I don't have any sin, guilt, or shame. He didn't need to die. It was unnecessary. It was a waste of time. It was a nice gesture, but really, he was a fool. He shouldn't have done it. Choice number two is this Jesus is a leader, and he came to save me by dying for me in my place. And I'm so glad he did it because I needed it. That was necessary. I am broken. I've got guilt, sin and shame in my life. Jesus came to save me. He's a great leader and he's a great savior. And if we can humble ourselves enough to say that, now we have Jesus as both our leader and savior and we're humble so we too can be great leaders and we have a vision. The vision that Jesus died for is the vision we can now live for. So our question today was this, what would Jesus say to the leader? And Jesus will say this, he would say, it's not enough to have position and power, that is the least effective form of leadership. To lead is to serve, to sacrifice yourself, but to lead is also to have a vision worth the sacrifice. And Jesus' vision was this, that he would come, save us, and we could be part of team jesus and now we too have a vision to spread his love mercy and justice on this planet now i have a friend called aj we went through a university together and we played rugby together and then we both became doctors and we played rugby again as doctors but one day when we're playing rugby on a saturday aj found himself at the bottom of a ruck And he had a big Tongan standing on him. And in that moment, my friend AJ had an existential crisis. He asked himself, he said to himself, Why am I here? I don't have to be here. Why am I here? And from that day on, AJ has never played another game of rugby. See, we need to know why we're here. If we don't know why we're here... We don't know how to live. We don't know why we're here. We don't know how to lead. But Jesus comes and tells us why we're here. We're here because we have a God who loves us, a God who made us, and a God who saves us. And if we can put our trust in this Jesus, if we can love him, worship him, and follow him, we too can have the same vision. The vision that he died for is a vision we can live for has come through Sam. Uh, So constant self-sacrifice and putting others first can lead to burnout. Mm. Uh, So uh, what would Jesus say to a leader who is really serving unrelentingly with more fatigue, uh, no help coming... Are they just meant to keep giving more and more of themselves? Yeah, so how do I get that balance just right, the Goldilocks just right balance, not under-functioning, so not serving the team enough, but not over-functioning and therefore burning out? Uh, Several things. So, you know, obviously we have to practice self-care, self-management, but also I think the big one to stop us burning out is what is my vision? Really, why am I leading? Why am I serving this team? And often when we step back and examine our heart of hearts, we find out, you know what, I'm actually being quite selfish in the way, it looks like I'm serving the team for their good, for the good of the company, but I'm actually still doing it for my own personal good, you know, to have a good name, a good reputation, to leave a legacy, maybe I'm a people person and I don't know how to say no, I want to be liked by everyone. So sometimes it's our own vision of leadership that's burning us out, but if we can have enough Security in knowing that again my identity is in Jesus. I don't have to be perfect. Uh Jesus is perfect. I'm already loved by God the way I am. So I can be humble and secure enough to sometimes say no to invitations and also not to have to be a people pleaser and I'm not trying to promote my own self glory. So think vision. They often talk about burnout. Burnout is this combination between a lot of work, obviously but clash of vision or loss of vision or confusion of vision. And so sometimes if we're really, really busy, we won't burn out as long as it's a purposeful busyness, as in it's a good busyness. But if it's, it can be a purposeless busyness or the wrong purpose busyness, like, like self-glory, self-gain, self-serving. Yeah, so the question was, um, Peter... James and John, who we just read about, were the inner circle of Jesus. So Jesus had his 12 followers, but he seemed to have an inner circle of those three. So they were like lieutenants. Maybe Jesus is seeing them as the future leaders, and they did become the future leaders. What did Jesus see in them? You know, I'm not really sure, because we see the disciples were were everything but good leaders. So They were hot-headed, hard-headed uh, vindictive uh, there was a time the towns didn't want to welcome Jesus and the followers and James and John asked Jesus send fire on that town and Jesus "Whoa, no and when Jesus got arrested Peter pulled out a sword and cut off one of the servants ears and Jesus go whoa put the sword away and he heals the servants ear so it seems like they didn't quite catch the vision and so what did Jesus see in them well maybe it's the same thing that Jesus sees in us potential and a long way to go so it's that uh, combination where Jesus loves us just the way we are with all our faults we don't have to be perfect Jesus is perfect we don't have to be um, making ourselves good that's God's job but at the same time God is going to make us into the people that he wants us to be so maybe he sees in them the very same things he sees in us uh, a great project room for improvement the encouragement award when is a directive style ever useful? So that, that Harvard Business Review thing talks about six styles and actually says there's a time and place for each of those six styles. And a Christian leadership expert called Janet Honey says you can even see in Jesus times where he practiced all six styles. So in the long term, you want to practice those visionary, participatory, coaching sort of styles. But when is the pace setting and the directive ones, good. It's when time is short, like there's a fire and we've got to get everyone out the room in ten seconds. That's when you want to be the the do as I do, do as I say, and do as I do. No, for how are you feeling within yourselves right now? Uh, let me help you. No, so so it's when time is short and there's an emergency and there's a crisis. And and so what's interesting is those these sort of leaders, directive leaders, like Donald Trump, obviously. What they get in power by creating a crisis. So if people can feel like there's a crisis, they're the ones who get elected. But in times of peace, they're the ones who won't get elected. So people like them are always relying on making people feel threatened and under fear. Okay. Um, a, a couple that came through uh, just about the ransom language. Yeah. Um, so, Sam, could you, a. will make it a slightly multifaceted sure. question to combine them. Could you explain what we're being ransomed from and is is like being a ransom, something all leaders are meant to do uh, uh, based on Jesus whoa jesus okay, yeah, saying. that is multifaceted so the ransom language is fascinating because it 's a metaphor jesus is saying he 's paying a price uh, we don 't have to speculate then you know what that sort of, but it all comes down to this the bible 's big claim is not that there is a God, but there 's a God who loves us, and you think about that 's quite unique to most major world religions, most major world religions says you know. There might be a God, might be a powerful God, but he certainly doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. In fact, they can be quite mischievous in some religions. But Judeo-Christianity says there is a God who loves us. And then if you ask most people, Christian and non-Christian, what is the big proof in the Bible that this God loves his people? And the answer is he sacrifices himself for these people. And the biggest proof is Jesus dying on a cross. But then that forces us into this awful dilemma and in that, how is dying on a cross a loving thing to do? Because if I said to you, I love you, now I'm going to die for you, you guys would say, whoa, 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 that's a bit weird. It's a bit unnecessary. And it's actually a little bit inappropriate. Now you're weird. Now you're creeping me out. So when Jesus says, I love you, and I'm going to give my life for you as a ransom, uh, it's only loving if he's dying the death I needed to die he's dying in my place. That's the price he's paying. So that's what makes it a loving act. And then this forces us into this horrible spot, then we have to admit, you know what? I am dying. I have to die. Why? Because I'm broken. So if you have a car, if you have a computer, and if you have a human body, because uh, if you ask a doctor, why do we die? they well, say In the end, it's multi-systems failure. And it's the same with cars and computer. And so death is the wake-up call that we all have, that there's a multi-systems failure right now in the way we run our lives, do relationships, and manage this world. And Jesus is coming to say, there's a God who loves us made us. I'm going to die the death. We should have died for our multi-systems failure in them being cut off from God, in there not worshipping God, not giving him the honour he needs. And then Jesus gives us a fresh start, a new start. And so leaders... How do they sacrifice that? You know, Jim Collins in his book on leadership gives us a 100 companies who have done not just well but greatly well, so from good to great. And he says, can you name the CEOs of any one of these 100 companies? And everyone goes, huh, I can't name the names of the CEOs. And Jim Collins says, exactly. These guys sacrifice their personal fame, name, and reputation for the name and fame of the company, The other thing Jim Collins points out, a level five leader, what they do is when things fail, they take blame. They say, this is my fault. This one's on me. But when things go well, they give the glory to the team. They say, oh, no, they did it. They did it. They're the ones who earned it. So so level five leaders are very sacrificial. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city, or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.